Green Street Joinery and the American Craftsman Podcast are proud to partner with Montana Brand Tools. Montana Brand Tools are manufactured by Rocky Mountain Twist in Montana, USA. With numerous patents dating back to the invention of the Hexshank system by our founders, we strive to produce accessories that add precision, flexibility, and efficiency to your toolkit. In addition to woodworking tools, we produce many high-quality cutting tools that are used by the aerospace, medical, automotive, and industrial markets. Our end product has a fit and finish that is beyond comparison. Montana Brand Tools are guaranteed for life to be free of defects in material and workmanship because we build these tools with pride and determination. For 10% off your order, visit MontanaBrandTools.com and use the coupon code AmericanCraftsman. All right, people, we're back. Episode 13 of the American Craftsman Podcast, Season 2. We're going to be wrapping up the um, Pennsylvania Dutch yeah. section today. I got to I got to be honest, this was a hard one. Mhm. There there was much less like I already started doing the research for the federal and I could see that there's just so much more information yeah. and um you know like really well-known makers and and uh details to go into. <laughs> Is that somebody at the door? <laughs> no, that's my reminder to call Parts Express. I, you know, I muted it, and then we did the audio test, and I had to unmute it. <laughs> I can't win. Can't win. Um. So although it was, you know, it's a pretty interesting um, group. I also found that there was so much overlap, and the time period, you know. Like I was supposed to be kind of concentrating on the beginning of um, the emergence of the Pennsylvania Dutch movement and the, the furniture, but this all happens like in the 1720s and and forward. Yep. And most of the information is really almost late 1800s. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it's a light, if it's a light episode, um, it is what it is. Rather than take a. Uh a winter break, like we're planning, you, you guys might get a little short episode today because we yeah. don't have that much information. But um, so we can, you know, recap because oh, this has been uh, you know over a month span these um, episodes. Yeah. So you know, we started with who the Pennsylvania Dutch were, mm-hmm. um, the germ, basically Germans around the Rhine River Valley, um, coming over like. All the, we're talking about colonial America still. Yep. So a lot of the, you know, original settlers came because of religious persecution in the homeland and things mm-hmm. like that. And the, the Quakers, Mennonites, and Amish were no different. Um, and they kind of brought something different because most of the other people we were talking about now were English and French, mm-hmm. um, mostly the English and. The Germans had a different take on it. They they really had that sort of architectural kind of um, form in their furniture. And there weren't a lot of uh, well-known Amish, but I did find a couple of others that sort of crossed over into, into this episode. We, we talked about Henry Lapp. We talked about... You know, uh, folk art. Noah Zook. Noah Zook, of course. Last week, <laughs> we wrapped up with Amish cuisine. 
And we may be finding ourselves getting some cup cheese here. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if we ever uh, wind up having a holiday uh, get together. We might have to serve some waffles and fried chicken. Oh, man. <laughs> we better get to planning. The clock's ticking for that. I know. <laughs> what day of the week? What day will this air? If this will this air on Christmas Eve? No, this will air on um, Friday's what the eleventh? Yeah, so it'll air on the eighteenth. Okay, week before Christmas Eve. Yeah. So yeah, I guess for next week we got to film a Christmas uh, episode. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So. This title, this uh, episode, I titled "Amish Furniture Today." Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to maybe encapsulate what's the legacy of Amish furniture. Um, what did they bring to um, people like you and I? And there is a, there are a pair of uh, schools that are still in existence. Well. Um, and we'll get into those. So to recap, Amish furniture, they, it first gains attention in the 1920s, um, a full 200 years after um, our first episode began. Yep. Folk art is discovered, so to speak, by dealers, historians, uh, and they start placing great value on the beauty and quality of the pieces. Um, I mean, if you think about folk art, in a way, it's it's so subjective, isn't it? Like, yeah, I mean, all quote unquote art. You know, all of a sudden, somebody said decides somebody of note decides, hey, this piece out of this time period is cool, mm-hmm. and the the sheeple. <laughs> So, yeah, I gotta have me some of that. Yeah, and what used to just sit around in the corner of, you know, an Amish barn becomes worth fifty grand. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a funny thing. Um, now a little side note: this shop, the outside, the skin of the building was actually built by the Amish. Uh, so they're still producing today. Mm-hmm. Um, people shop for furniture, like they, they build kitchens, they build all sorts of stuff and, and install them in this area. Yeah. Um, so today they enjoy wide popularity and praise for their continued dedication to handcrafting. I mean, compared to a lot of the junk that we see produced by shops around here, the, the Amish are head and shoulders above. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's definitely bad examples of Amish stuff too, mm-hmm. which is you know just like factory made, the same bullcrap. But yeah, um, they definitely there's a lot of really skilled Amish. Yeah, yeah, it's because, I mean, the old school they're they're taking the boys out of school after the eighth grade and putting mm-hmm. them into the trade. Yep. I mean, think about where we'd be if we had that sort of education. Yeah. Um. And they're still doing things, basically. Uh, well, I guess that's not true. I was going to say they're still doing things basically the way they did. But the Amish are kind of, they're, they're, they're like most of these really, 
<laughs> you know, these groups, they, they're sidestepping the rules yeah. a lot. Like they had, they might not be hooked up to the electrical grid, but they got everything running on compressors or diesel generators, diesel generators, yeah. or they have rules in the community. They say, well, this is so important to the community that these guys can plug in. Yeah. Um, so I wonder, you know, how much of, you know, what they're doing is really um, old, old school. I don't think any of it is. Do you think they're riding on the coattails of their predecessors? Mm, no, I mean, no. just because they're using modern equipment doesn't mean yeah. they're doing bad work. Right, I mean, right. They, but I that's mean, what we do. Part of the attraction uh, to some people is that it's, you know, the Amish are this... Uh, I don't think anyone thinks that the no. Amish are making this stuff like with hand tools <laughs> and, and the Amish aren't claiming to be. No. I mean, you have to be thick to think that that's how they do it and they're selling it for the price that they are. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, cause I, I put here, um, some of their beliefs may be deemed outdated or old fashioned by mainstream society, but they are not so isolated to be out of step with the demands of the larger English marketplace. Yeah, I mean it's self-preservation. Do mm -hmm. you uh do you stay a fundamentalist and the society dies because you can't survive in a modern society or do you say, well, we make some exceptions and you know, allow ourselves to continue on and make some money because we need it to survive. Yeah, yeah. I I also noted um that the styles they build in have a lot less to do with their own traditions and more to do with current trends. Mm -hmm. Like there's, for the most part, there's no modern Amish style. It's they're producing, right. it, you know, in a way like any modern cabinet shop is what, what does the client want? Yeah. You got to sell what people want to buy. And that's what, that's what we're going to build. But um, for the most part, there are three styles that are each going to receive their own episode that are most often associated with um, today's Amish furniture makers. And we have the Mission, Arts and Crafts, and Shaker. Um, I would have loved to have dove into, delved into, well, I don't know what the right uh, verb would be. Dived? Dived. Dived into those. Um, but since they're all going to receive their own episodes, mm. is mission its own separate episode? It is. Huh. Yeah. Isn't mission just a rip off of arts and crafts? Um, yeah, I think, um, well, I'd have to double check the, the 12 things, but I did put that they're each going to have their own uh, episode. Yeah. Mission and arts and crafts and shaker. They're so similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I may have, uh, misled you on well, that. Well, Arts and Crafts and Shaker definitely have their own. Yeah. And Mission yeah. will be integral to Arts and Crafts if it doesn't have its own. Right. They, they all, you know, have, um, you know, if we're comparing it to, you know, 
some of the, the more florid styles, they're very uh, minimal use of decoration and mm-hmm. kind of focus on craftsmanship. Um, so much of Amish-made furniture captures the spirit of arts and crafts, uh, celebrating craftsmanship over mass production. Uh, you know, whether that's really true, I don't know. I mean, they do they do produce, but... Um, yeah, not yeah. not the same as like uh, Raymore and Flanagan. Yes, or, uh, yes, very true. Um, I mean, w- what are the similarities and differences in our shop? Like, how would you, uh, where would you put us in that? Um, I mean, I think that this shop probably operates a lot like a small Amish um, shop. Yeah. You know, they, uh, I'm sure they have a similar sort of setup and, and, uh, set of processes. I would, I would agree with that. I would say that, um, you know, some of the, the beliefs in quality and things like that, endurance of the products that we're making, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's something that we have in common and we've both worked in places where that's not an issue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after you after they get that final handshake and check, they they just sort of drive away with a clear head. Yeah. Um So I came across a couple of schools that are still going on. They started in the 1800s. Um uh actually the Jonestown school started in the late 1700s, but the Jonestown School and the Soap Hollow School uh, are two. Um, I have I don't know of another word besides school, but it's sort of that um, you know it's the methodology, it's the it's the look, it's the identifiable characteristics of a furniture produced in that those small areas, similar to like um, the Newport. Oh, were, so it's not an actual school. Right. It's, uh, they call them schools, but it's sort of like, uh, style. Yeah, there you go. A, a, a sort of small geographic area where, um, this identifiable product comes out of it. Right. And, and everybody works in that vernacular. Hmm. Um, the Jonestown School is most widely known for painted blanket chests decorated with flowers on three panels. Um, and these chests are on display at the Smithsonian and the Met in New York City. Uh, Never heard of them. No, me either. Must be small little uh, local museums. <laughs> it's why. It is wild to think that, you know, these um, pieces made just to be used by somebody. These came out of somebody's house. Yeah. You know, and at one point in time, somebody designates that it's important enough Mm -hmm. and it just gets, you know, put on display as this important piece of um, history. Mm -hmm. Another identifiable style of Amish furniture is from the Soap Hollow School. The Soap Hollow, Pennsylvania, 
now this is again more modern between 1834 and 1928 it's a distinct branch of pennsylvania dutch furniture and it emerges in this little three mile long valley and it's just south of johnstown so um i found more information on so Paulo, and there were some people that were quite uh adamant that it is its own distinct branch and not to be confused with the Johnstown School. Um, most of the work produced in the Sopal School has been lost to time, but there are about 175 identifiable pieces remaining. So this, this almost feels like it's an archite- uh, archaeological thing. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're coming across things, identifying them and go, and saying, this belongs to this group of artisans. Right. Um, and in, in this respect, like most of the Amish, they were also farmers, general carpenters, undertakers and such by day. And make, they also made furniture mm-hmm. for most of them. They also almost uh, like a, a maker. Huh? They're hobbyists. Yeah. <laughs> They were they were the first makers. <laughs> it's believed that most of the furniture building was done in the winter months when the fields were inactive. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and <laughs> just like just like makers, most of these pieces were made for friends, family, and personal use. Let's <laughs> not offend anybody. <laughs> All right, so so Powell furniture differed from other Pennsylvania Dutch work by being less colorfully decorated. The colors used were deep red, green, and black. Um, we kind of talked about how painting and decorating was one of the hallmarks of Pennsylvania Dutch, of the Amish. Yeah, um, and I feel like most of the examples we saw were sort of in that color scheme. Yeah, yeah. Um, so these the the Sopala school kind of tones down the decoration and goes with with you know simpler palettes, thick shaped skirts, bracket feet. All right, that's kind of typical of what we've seen. Backboards, keyhole shaped escutcheons. So I'm gonna pull up this uh, link here because it's eh, well yeah, it almost looks. I mean, it's definitely simpler. It almost looks earlier, doesn't it? Rather than later. Are you looking at the Uh, red chest? Yeah. I mean, most of the examples we saw were more like hope chests, Mm -hmm. and this is like a chest of drawers. Yeah. It was hard to compare, but um, the painting is definitely a little more understated. Uh, Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, And here's the thing that I found that uh, makes Sao Paulo so unique. The makers sign their work. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times they would put MF, manufactured by, and then their name. And they wouldn't put it in the back. They wouldn't put it, (laughs) they'd put it like right up front. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's an example from the, maybe the first, or second episode where where they have that. Mm-hmm. 
So rather than follow the traditional practice of possibly signing their work, where most actually didn't, in a less conspicuous place, so Powell craftsmen boldly placed their marks across the front or sides of the work. Um, and the most prolific was John Sala, who also trained about half a dozen furniture makers. Um, Henry Lapp's name came up. You know, we went over him last week in, in good detail, but he came up uh, in this group and they, they kind of lumped him in because he abandoned that Germanic style and uh, sort of was, uh, you know, working outside the box. But I don't know why um, he came up when I was looking up uh, Johnstown and, and So Paulo schools. It, that might just be a lapse on my, uh, my note-taking. Uh, I think it's just the tie into today. Yeah. Cause he was the, um, one of the first people to be, you know, of note in present times. Ah, there yeah. you go. There you go. The Amish furniture today. Yeah. Henry Lapp, John Sala, So Paulo school. Um, and, uh, got more, uh, head spinning numbers here. The record price for American folk painted furniture sold at Sotheby's in 1986. Now that's quite a while ago. It was a tall case clock made in 1801 by Johann Spittler sold for $203,500. So jump change. No. Um, I mean, when I'm watching shows like antiques road show, Sometimes they'll be like this really cool piece and you could see all the craftsmanship and everything. And then the expert will come on and goes, yeah, you know, that'll probably sell for about $6,000. I go, man, we couldn't make that for $6,000. And then you get the folk art, which has this crazy value attached to it. Yeah. I mean, it's like everything like that with antiques, the, the values wax and wane, mm-hmm. you know, so folk art, let's say folk art is hot this year. Well, in five years, it might be whatever arts and crafts might be the expensive thing again. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, something that, that we do and, uh, really like to do comes in vogue. That would be cool. I mean, for a while it was it was white painted, and we were not thrilled for with it's that. It's still white painted. <laughs> no, it's always been white painted. It's a, it will that, always that'll be, be an omnipresent. It will, it will style. always be white painted. Yeah, white painted shaker. Yeah, so I mean, think about it. Uh, the title Amish furniture today, and you know, shaker. I guess well, it's associated with them. How much of that do we really see out there being made? I mean, it's, would you say it's half of the kitchens that we see going in or that style? What? Like a white painted shaker or, or in, uh, in the shaker style? Uh, well, I mean, but they're not really shaker style. No, it's just no, what they because, call it. Yeah. Because the proportions are all wrong and, and yeah, I mean, the shakers didn't like, 
Shakers weren't known for frame and panel doors. They're more known yeah. for flat slab. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't put, uh, like, beaded crown molding up on their stuff. Either. No, I mean, the terminology shaker now is sort of a misappropriation. Yeah. Well, is there anything you could add to this uh, this m- mini episode? Um, I mean, you could see the, the Pennsylvania Dutch were not that influential or significant i'll say and that's not to detract from what they were doing but mm-hmm. um you know it could be because they were so insular that you know their style never reached out reached other people and maybe it would have developed more if if it had um and they weren't really going out to draw influence from other places you see guys like uh, henry lapp who would go out to pennsylvania and see different things and then bring it home and put it into their furniture but uh, people who are isolated like this, similar to the Shakers, you know, you don't see a whole lot of changes in the style. Just sort of stays the same and doesn't really develop very much. You know, that's a an awesome point that I'd never <clears throat> even uh, thought of when I and I, you know, was reading through this page after page, but. They didn't really have influence on the outside world at all. In fact, they were discovered, so to speak, I keep using that phrase, well after their time of producing this work. Yeah, 100 100 years ago. And nobody's recreating it, really. Uh, Like, it it didn't push its way into, unless it's sort of like a kitschy kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas the earlier works were sort of building upon each other. The stuff that we went into, um, there was uh, early colonial Mm -hmm. and the American. And then, um, you know, along came Chippendale. All these things were sort of tied together. And this happened in a vacuum. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you do see this style furniture being mm-hmm. sold, but it's not. Um, again, it's just stuck in time. It's not. Doesn't get any attention because it's just the same. It's been the same forever. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you think they've had any influence on on furniture makers uh, outside their community? Like the, well, if we go back to their style that they built in, yeah, I mean, of course, you there's um, there's somebody out there who, <laughs> but again, I don't think it's very significant. Right, it's like people like you and I, we we like the greens and and stickleys, and you know, you could see we we try and uh, emulate some of their things, mm-hmm. but we haven't really thought of the Amish style in that same way. No, no. Like, man, we got to make a painted uh, chest and put some doves on it. Yeah, no, definitely not. So it's just not as attractive to uh, folks like us. Yeah, I mean, some people... Some people like that kind of thing. It just doesn't happen. It happens to not be us. (laughs) I bet if... Well, I'll cut myself off there. (laughs) I'm not going to ask. <laughs> so as this episode is, it's a week before Christmas. 
yeah. Yeah. Got any plans? <laughs> we talked about it in the Patreon, but let's tell, let's uh, we right. we tend to do this on the fourth episode. Let's talk about what's going on in the shop. All right, let's. Um. So yeah, let's see. We trying to think of where we left off with the last fourth episode. What we were talking about. We I think we were working on the Hoboken stuff. We were building the white cabinet and the for the one job, and then the uh, the wine wall and the shelves for the other job. So we got both of those installed a couple of weeks ago, um, which would be, yeah, I don't know, this it's like a month ago when you're listening to this. Um, we're going to look at some jobs or a job. Today, we got the church installed this week for the altar rail. Pretty sure we talked about that at one point. You know, it was nice that that big cabinet fit in the elevator. Yeah. Yeah. This is tough because I don't remember what the hell we talked, what we have talked about, what we haven't talked about. Um, but yeah, going up to Bergen County to look at a multi-part job, some different stuff, wall unit, a potential bar with some metal. I don't know if that's still on the table, but uh, the some, hot beat. Yeah, some beams, a banquette. Yeah, so, that, yeah, we'll see. That's an interesting job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get a good look at that ceiling height. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> my fear, my fear of standing on top of that scaffold. Oh, it's not bad. I'm going to have to make it double height. I know. That's nothing. That's nothing. Fall off, you won't even know. <laughs> It'll be a quick, painless, be quick, quick, painless that, death. That, that's right. It's like when I fell off the ladder uh, it was several years ago. Now I hit the ground before I even knew I was falling. Oof. Um, yeah, I was thinking to myself because it was only I was only standing. I was standing on the top of a six foot ladder, you know, like the tippy top. Oh yeah, that's not never good idea. <laughs> Because that's how I used to think in my youth. And this was right at the cusp of my, uh, well, it was probably not. I was well past my youth, but I hadn't really had to test my old age reflexes. I was still thinking I had those young cat-like reflexes. I don't think anybody's got reflexes on the top of a six-foot ladder. <laughs> There's not really much you could do. But so I'm standing on the top of it thinking as I'm climbing up there, I'm going, yeah, you know, what's the worst going to happen? It's ladder falls. I'll just jump off. I'll land on my feet, you know? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> Do I have to finish the, the end of that story? I don't think so. <laughs> it didn't turn out quite like that, we'll just say. Oh, man. Uh, uh, I will add, I was just lucky to avoid any kind of uh, permanent injury. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you could die off the top of a six-foot ladder. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, I can't remember what I was doing, but any, I haven't done anything nearly that stupid since. That was quite a day of reckoning for me. Yeah, it takes some chances here and there, but nothing, <laughs> nothing crazy. Uh, what else we got going on? Well, has Secret Santa happened yet? Uh, well, the drawing will have been a week ago. Yeah. 
Um, so people are probably buying and getting those things get in the those mail. Things in the mail, yeah. Uh, did we talk about Barry getting picked up? No, Barry. Well, we we mentioned that Barry was on his way out. Uh, we're hoping that uh, the snow that's scheduled that was scheduled for the the next day. It's it's hard talking because yeah, this is, I don't think we talked about. It. We talked about it on the Patreon. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So the Y belt sander will have been sold last week. Um, tentatively, it's sitting right over here on top of the uh, engine hoist. Yeah. We got a couple more people waiting in line. Yeah. So, yeah, we're getting rid of that, hoping to maybe replace it with a small Y belt sander eventually. Um, yeah. We got our eye on two models, two similar models. Mm hmm. Um, it would be nice. I mean, to have, there's nothing worse than having a tool or machine you can't trust or rely on. Yeah. It reminds me of that Oliver Planer. Yeah. Um, and, and in reverse, it's so nice. Like the jointer, you know, you can just go over and joint something. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's quick, you want to just do a few passes on one board or, you know, a, 200 board feet, you know what you're going to get yeah. from the joiner. Yeah, there's, you know, inconsistency is a, is a killer. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, I hate that. I, I love having tools that I know, whether it's your tape measure, you know, like where that you should put your pencil line and stuff like that. Got a sneeze coming? Salud. Oh, thank you. Man, I felt that one coming. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, that might be all we got this week, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Take a little vacation. Yeah. It's been, it's been uh, we had a crazy rush, and now it's it's quieting down a little bit. We're yeah. going, getting into that Christmas time lull. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to pick back up quick because that's how it happens. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been a funny year like that for us. We've been really, really busy, mm-hmm. and then we'll fit, we'll have, Everybody chopping at our heels. We'll get everything done, and we'll go. Oh man, we we didn't uh, line up our next job, yeah. and then they all flood in again. So it's sort of it's been like that rhythmically the feast whole or year. Famine, always feast or famine. Yeah, yeah. I would love to be in a nice consistent stretch where we could pace it out better. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, we still have. A dozen bids floating out there. Yes. Um, of work that, you know, is happening, whether or not we're the going to be the ones doing it, we don't know. But so who knows? It yeah. all could hit at once. By the time this actually airs, we may have uh, begun the job we're going to look at today in real time. Quite possibly. Yeah. Yeah, at least uh, done some ordering or something like that to that effect. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is it. Happy holidays. Yeah. Next week. No, sorry. Next week it's Christmas. Yeah, the, well, the episode following this will come out on Christmas yeah, we'll, Eve. All right, we'll put it on a Christmas episode. We missed the, the Halloween episode, which yeah, was really, uh, I was looking forward to that. The candy tasting. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forget what we we had something going on. Yeah, we, we dropped the ball on that one. Working. I was just working. 
Yeah, we were busy through that stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we weren't thinking straight. So, uh, Riverdarchi. Yeah. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, don't forget, vesting finishes rpmcodingsolutions.com, uh, coupon code American Craftsman. Get yourself some finish. Uh, you know, Montana, American Craftsman over there. And yeah. So we'll see you next week. Uh, I want to thank all our patrons. Yeah. For uh, supporting, uh, supporting the show. Mm-hmm. Sending out those good vibes. Yeah. You can become a patron also. Head over to our Patreon. Uh, we got the bonus show going on over there. Aside yeah. from some other stuff. Digging deeper, just like uh, Oak Island. Cutting deeper. Cutting deeper. Um, But yeah, anyway, we'll see you guys next week. For uh, some sort of Christmas episode. I don't know what the hell we're going to talk about, but. Oh, yeah. Our favorite Christmas movies. Yeah, that'll take up at least 30 seconds. Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, God. That's a horrible <laughs> movie. We'll see you next week. Ciao.